never having dealt with his PTSD or depression. It basically overtook him and he died by suicide. He did leave five suicide notes, one to his wife, one to each of his adult children, one to his best friend, uh, Joe Tate, and one to all five of them. But to his best friend, Joe, he said, get me to the VA. It's too late for me. Stop someone else. Welcome to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges. Stigma-Free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the Veterans.org and donations are always welcome at the Veterans.org slash donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Here's today's segment. Welcome to another educational edition of the Stigma-Free Vet Zone. For our special Veterans Day edition, we are heading to the Medical College of Wisconsin to catch up with the J- Captain John D. Mason Veteran Peer Outreach Program and the dedicated uh, folks who are uh, working on veteran suicide prevention. Today, they will share their project development on weapons lockup for veterans in crisis. This is a topic very dear to my family, having lost my brother John to suicide by rifle in 1982, and also the loss of my good childhood friend who took his life shortly after returning from Vietnam with a handgun. So let's get right to it. Let's meet our guest, Susan Smichael is the Captain John D. Mason Peer Outreach Program Coordinator, and she is also the Senior Administrative Assistant for the Medical College of Wisconsin, Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine. Mark Flower is an Army veteran and very, very active in the veteran healthcare community. And Chris Swift served as a combat medic in Iraq and Afghanistan and is also very active in the veteran healthcare community. So let's scoot down to Wauwatosa and bring in Sue Smichael. And Sue, go ahead and introduce us to yourself and to the Captain John D. Mason Veteran Peer Outreach Program. Thank you, Mike. First, we would like to say thank you very much for uh, inviting us to be on your podcast. We we very much appreciate that, especially um, for Veterans Day. And thank you to all our veterans. Uh, welcome home. We appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. So yes, I am with the Medical College of Wisconsin, and I was hired on to the Captain John D. Mason Veteran Peer Outreach Program to help coordinate and do all the administrative functions. Uh, The Captain John D. Mason Veteran Peer Outreach Program started in 2018 with the Medical College of Wisconsin, and it was named after Captain John D. Mason, who lost his battle with PTSD and depression. Uh, So he, Captain Mason, served in Vietnam with the 2nd Battalion, 12th Marines, 3rd Marine Division, and he was awarded the Bronze Star Medal with Combat V. Um, He had a very stellar military career. When he got out, he was a very successful businessman for many years, married, had a family. Everyone loved him deeply, jovial man. Everyone went to him for advice. Um, But he suffered silently for years with PTSD and depression. Um, His family was unaware of this. Um, He had never sought treatment for it. In much of it stemming from his time in Vietnam, Um, In 2013, he had some financial distress and a back injury, and never having dealt with um, his uh, PTSD or depression, it basically overtook him, and he died by suicide. He did leave five suicide notes, one to his wife, 
one to each of his adult children, one to his best friend, uh, Joe Tate, and one to all five of them. But to his best friend, Joe, he said, get me to the VA. It's too late for me. Stop someone else. Um, so Joe Tate, his best friend um, and lifelong friend, business partner for many years, um, went to the Medical College of Wisconsin in the VA and shared the story of Captain Mason and said, help me. You need to help me. We need to we need to stop veteran suicide. We need a program to do that. Um, so they did come together and created the Captain John D. Mason Veteran Peer Outreach Program. The premise of the program is different than many others, where it has veteran peers that go into the community to locate veterans and ensure they're connected to the VA or healthcare services, because they found that of the veterans that die by suicide. are not connected to the VA. So we hire and employ veteran peers. We go to community events. We search for veterans and we try to connect them with the resources they need to live a productive, satisfying life and provide hope and empowerment to them. Well, very, very powerful, very effective. Uh, Mark Flower served in the U.S. Army, I'm going to mention, in the Tank Corps, but we're not here to share our First infantry, First then tanks, <laughs> then I ended my career as a medic. Okay, anyway, sorry. Just clarifying that Mark is a veteran uh, and very, very active, one of the most active in the veteran healthcare community in Southeast Wisconsin. Mark, um, share with us this project that you're working on now, which I'm going to name by the, the Weapons Lockup Program and some of the work that you've done with uh, Mr. Loveless up in uh, the Afghanistan veteran who owns a gun shop up in um, uh, River Falls or Park Falls, Wisconsin. But how is that working? What's the goal there with the lockup of weapons? Well, well, Chuck is actually the one that came up with this, and he was working with folks out of Dane County, that uh, the safe community thing that they, they did up there. Uh, but really, it's the Wisconsin Gun Shop Project and Safe Storage Program, not a lockup. No one locks up anything. It's, it's, a, it's a safe storage program. It's, it's about veterans. The whole concept with Chuck was he had some friends that uh, or associates that, that utilized his gun shop that died by suicide and by firearms. And uh, he thought, my God, this, this is not good. And uh, so he, he said, I'm going to provide safe storage for any veteran that comes to me if they're in a crisis and they kind of um, well, storm for them, which is which is huge. And uh, so what our Wisconsin's Gun Shop Project and Safe Storage Program is really all about is, one, we provide suicide prevention materials to gun shops that, that join our program. If, if asked, we, we train staff or get, get some training hooked up with the staff of the gun shops that are part of our program. So their staff is more aware and uh, understands the more suicide prevention aspects of a lot of things that uh, that entails. And then also we try to talk them into becoming part of our, our coalition of veteran gun shop owners. As I say that correctly, I may, someone may have to correct me on that one, but to get them involved in our safe storage program to what, what really, what it boils down to is that if a veteran, which hopefully didn't, this actually branches out to anybody, but a veteran in general, because we are right now working with the, the veteran population and trying to work with the veteran population that's in crisis can then go to that gun shop that's part of our program and go, I want to store my firearm here for two, three, two, one, two, three months and uh, get, get, and then when I have my crisis over, I can come and get it back. Um, I, ironically, we talked about the stats, you know, I was reinforced today why I really am passionate about this whole thing. A friend of mine's friend died by suicide today. I don't know not the, the particulars of it, or actually it was last night, but they found him today. And I don't know the particulars of this, but to me, veteran suicide is, is, is an extreme. I, I, I give a shit about veterans that die by suicide because for whatever reason, they lost hope. And, uh, and I can't ever... In my mind, even though I can in my mind understand how veterans could actually lose the kind of hope that drives us to that most uh, impulsive decision to take our lives. I mean, and I can kind of resort back to my own, my own life in that where, where there were times in my, my journey where, you know, that thought was rational. 
they actually came into a very rational thought where, you know, maybe if, if I'm not here no more, if I died, I would stop the chaos that's going on, the chaos that I'm in, incurring on others that are in my life. Luckily, I never had to get to that point because it was just more thoughts and I never had that moment of extreme impulsivity. So the idea of this is to take those moments of impulsivity and then lengthen them because we all know science has taught us that the farther away veterans are from the means, also the impulsivity goes away also. And uh, so part of the concept of this program is to, in my mind, to when that impulsive moment happens, that hopefully that that their their the lethal means are far enough away, so folks don't have to, Im- to actually act on that impulsivity. So I guess to me it's very it's why I'm involved, very very involved in this because I've had friends that have died by suicide. I have thought about suicide. I am very grateful that I never acted on it or where where that impulsive moment happened there right then and now but yet i'm also reminded through my journey in this journey that i'm in that it's still an issue people still need help and we just need to figure out a better way of getting folks to that point where they don't lose hope to where then it becomes an actual decision where then it actually becomes a thing that's a rational decision which then then all of a sudden they're no longer here and it's a completion yes I, I agree with you 100%. It's really identifying that one particular point where that at crisis, they can make a decision. But I, I wonder, and I'm guessing that it helps very much that if they are at that crisis, that impulsive point, and they know that there is an opportunity to put that gun away, give it to somebody else to keep in safekeeping. If they can be aware that that decision, that opportunity is there, that in itself is powerful. Well, well, yeah, what it, what it is, is we and I always knew crisis was going on. I mean, I was the first to know if I believed it or not, but I knew life was my and my life was not going well. And my hope is, and through this program, is that they provide that opportunity when they feel it coming on and they know they have a firearm that they can voluntarily. I'm going to emphasize voluntarily. Go to that gun shop that's part of our program to voluntarily go, can you hold my firearm for one, two, or three months? Because I'm not, a, I'm not in a good spot. And the cool thing about uh, the gun shops being involved, it becomes a contract between the gun owner, the veteran who owns the firearm, the, uh, the gun shop itself. It uh, keeps, uh, in lack of a better way of saying it, it kind of, in some ways, keeps law enforcement out of it, too, because there's a whole other side of this that uh, could just amplify or uh, make the matters worse if law enforcement does get involved. But on the same side, I know we are talking with law enforcement uh, organizations to go, you know, it might be a good idea that maybe you provide a safe storage area. But I guess my caveat to that is they'd have to work on some of their rules to that because... Law enforcement is still law enforcement, and they have their own special rules they got to work with. Yeah, I, I think this is going to come down what what you're referring to, which is uh, for all of us who are veterans, wherever we're dealing with somebody when we're in crisis is that element of trust. And if you yes, don't trust that, people, it, it, that five letter word, uh, trust, if it's not there, they're not going. So let, let's uh, let, let's uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, that's uh, very educational. Let's uh, shift over to Chris Swift, uh, who served as a combat medic, Iraq, Afghanistan. And Chris, share with us how you are promoting us or educating the public and taking this project on the road, I think you could say, to the different events to to uh, to share it. Well, first want to say thank you for having us on, Mike. Uh, definitely appreciate that. A couple of ways that we do it. So we use social media. Social media is one of those things that now it's part of everything. You know, we use Facebook and we have a Facebook page and um, Be There With. It's a, a page that you can go to and it kind of tells you where the uh, gun shops are that are participating in in the areas. There's a map on there and it'll kind of give you a good idea. Um, but one of the things we do is we try to go out to different events. So we went to the BFW conference. We went to the American Legion conference, you know, veterans in the veteran community, there is no other community that takes care of each other as well as the veteran community does. 
no matter when you leave, when you start, you have that commonality as a veteran and you want to make sure your brothers and sisters in arms are okay. Like what Mark was saying, you want to make sure they have that hope and then how you hit on the trust, you know, you kind of have that commonality. Um, we go to those conferences. We did a CVSO, so the County Veteran Service Officers. We went and we met them. So we went to their conference, and they're all over the state. So there's 72 different counties, you know, so there's 72 different uh, CVSOs and um, kind of networking with them. Uh, we went to Irish Fest, Fiesta Mexicana, down at the lakefront. Uh, we've been at the War Memorial, uh, State Fair Park when we did the sports show, hopefully COVID will kind of loosen the reins a little bit and we'll be able to get out to a few more things um, because this year, 2021, the uh, sports show was canceled. So we were unable to get out there, but word of mouth gets it out there because we, we get introduced to people and then we network. So through the war memorial, um, they had a couple of things when Afghanistan was heating up. So we were there and we were talking to people and then, a couple of people like Ben Singleton, they had a movie about him at the war memorial and they showed it, but um, he was, he set up something for the day after nine 11 because it was the 20 year anniversary. So another thing is here's a veteran who's like, what can we do to make sure people are okay? So a bunch of us met probably about 30 total met at the war memorial the day after nine 11, the 20th anniversary. So we get a lot through the social media we get a lot through the networking with the CVSOs, with the BFW, with the American Legion, because these are very veteran-centric programs, and they are always willing to help. They're like, hey, you know, peer support is now really taking off, and there are more people doing it. Wisconsin's got a really, really good program going, and more veterans at the VA are getting involved in that. So, like you said, we kind of have that trust. Oh, you're a veteran. All right. I'll listen to what you have to say. You know, you give them the hope like, Hey, we got these programs. And like Mark was saying, you want to extend the impulsivity, you know, from the point where you thought, think about it to the act. If long, if you can keep making that longer and longer in between, it helps lessen the likelihood of those severe instances happening. Like this program here, you're giving us a good opportunity and a good platform to get our our program out there. So, I mean, we kind of, whatever's out there, we kind of, we, we kind of grab it, you know, one of us might go to one program and then somebody goes to another program, you know, just to get it out there, just to have, have it out there where people can know that there's people that care and there's this program that can help you get into the VA, help you do other things. And um, there's another program that just started. I just finished up a certification with them. It's when, veterans get out of the military and they go to an area, they set them up with a veteran who's already out into the VA system. So they kind of know how to work it a little bit because for so long people were getting out of the, out of the military and the tap, the transition assistance program didn't really set you up for success. You know, now they're setting them up with veterans who know how to get in and out. So you're taking a lot less time. You know, which, which, then, really, which brings us back to a very important point. I hope you and Mark don't mind me mentioning this. You've both been on the podcast individually before, but you and Mark and I, we're not lightweights in this transition business. We've been through the alcoholism. We've been through the divorces. We've been through the homelessness. We've been through the anger, the rage, the isolation. So when, when I, I'm guessing that when veterans come across Chris or, or Mark in public promoting this, and you guys have this background, that's going to endear you and these veterans to each other on that element of trust, which I think if they're seeing you, because I know when we get depressed, we get emotionally isolated and internalized, and we don't see anything. We're, we're thinking internally. But if we get that brief moment to see another veteran in person who's sharing this experience, that could be the breakthrough to the hope. But I love this idea because when I had these suicidal thoughts after 30 years, I never thought about this expanded window of giving myself a break to think about it. And I think just that education is so very valuable. And I think also one of the things is that sometimes veterans think that their situation is unique. Right. Like there's nobody in the world that's had a situation like them. Isn't that Three minutes of conversation, they're like, oh, my God, there's another one. It has the same problems I have. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like I went through the alcoholism, the DUIs, the rehab, right. jail, yeah. divorce. You know, I had to I had to do my part in keeping the uh, percentages up there. And, and here you are with a smile on your face, loving and, and <laughs> wanting to help and reach out. And the same with Mark and the same with Susan. We have a, a special guest. I'm going to call him in, Matt O'Donnell. Um, he may be a few minutes, but uh, he's going to share just a very briefly an experience he, he had in making the choice to lock up his own weapon I believe uh, Matt was an Afghanistan veteran, but struggled mightily when he came home with the same issues we're talking about, alcoholism, uh, failure of his marriage. And and then we're going to shift back to Susan and let her share some more of her thoughts on her experiences with with the John D. Mason. So let me give him a call. And uh, while we're doing that, Susan, if you would like to just come back in now, you've you've listened a little bit to to Mark and to Chris and and share some more Mm -hmm. of your, your insights. Yeah, well, I would like to say that um, suicide in the United States has continued to rise over the last 20 years to the point that suicides are the 10th way in which people die in this country. And more people actually die from suicide of a firearm than do from homicides. Um, We also know that in the veteran community, 70% die by suicide using a firearm versus 50% of non-veterans of the population. So that's huge. The other thing that I think people don't realize and something that we share with our gun shop owners when we're speaking with them is that over 50% of suicides are not due to a mental health disorder, but uh, it may be someone's going through that temporary crisis. Maybe they just found out they lost their job or they um, are getting a divorce or they just ran into some legal trouble. And as Mark alluded to and Chris, they need that time uh, between their lethal means to kind of sort out those temporary feelings. And so the the gun shop project safe storage program is an ideal solution for someone who doesn't have other options, such as a friend or a family member to hold their firearm, or they don't have the ability to lock it up at home. So this gives them that opportunity. They can go to the www.bethereWiss.com dot com website, which is the Southeastern Wisconsin Veteran Suicide Prevention website. And it has a page for the gunshot project. They can literally go to the interactive map, locate the nearest gunshot to where they reside and call them and say, can I schedule an appointment to come in? I'd like to have you hold my gun. It's that simple. So as Chris said, um, we do mention uh, the Gunshot Project. We are sharing it at all the different events that we go to, um, ensuring that our American legions and um, our CVSOs, uh, that all of our partners in the, on the Southeastern Wisconsin Suicide Prevention Task Force, that all of our partners are aware of this program so that if there is a gun shop in their community or someone they know of, they can either direct them to the www.bethereWIS.com website or to one of us to help share the program. And we are hoping currently we have 19 um, gun shop firearm retailers on the map. And as Mark said, they are a part of a coalition of veteran friendly gun shop owners. Um, so our goal is to have um, at least two in every county of the state, one for sure, but at least two. So we have been reaching out not only at our events, but making cold calls. So this is where having our veteran organization counterparts help us out. You know, they may be out in some remote part of the state. We may not get to them by the time we're cold calling. Okay. Uh, Hi. Sorry, sorry, uh, Susan, thank you. My technology skills are very poor. So, uh, Matt, have we got you? I, I'm here. Okay, Matt. I just want to, uh, we had spoken earlier. We are talking about the um, Captain John D. Mason veteran peer outreach with uh, Matt McDonald. And Matt McDonald uh, is a, a combat veteran, and he had many struggles when he came home uh, that we've been talking about, some of his issues. But he wants to share in particular an event that happened when he was very much in distress, very much in crisis, and made a decision on his own at that time to uh, to lock away his weapon and Matt in particular I'm interested in how the importance of knowing that that decision is there and taking action to it so just walk us through that quick if you would so when I was in the immediacy of what happened to me I was co- I was going through severe med med withdrawals um, from a improper cessation plan by the VA and I didn't know what was going on in the moment I was about 14 days cold turkey from coming off of Ambien and diazepam, which I had been taking for three, four years, 20 milligrams of each, which in hindsight is horribly way more than we should be taking. 
And in the moment, something when I woke up didn't feel right. I felt drunk. I felt out of control. Um, I couldn't see straight. And I just, in the moment, thought to myself, you don't feel like you're in control of your body right now. What do you need to do in the moment to make sure you make it through the next minute? And my immediate reaction was just go lock your gun. And I think even in the moment when I went, I had never locked my firearms before. They're, they're readily ones next to my bed in the moment. Even when I went to lock it, I looked at it for longer than I should have because I was in so much pain at the time and I was able to talk myself out of it and I locked it. I took the keys down and I gave them to one of my employees who was getting ready to leave. And I really think just that split second decision, even if it had been locked in the immediacy, the extra split second to think of, oh, you have to go get the key to unlock it, to do this thing. I think that alone, I think is, is a lifesaver. Which is really, really, really follows up on what uh, uh, Susan and, and Mark and Chris are talking about with this safe lockup program, lock it away and you don't have access. Extending that period of time to think about this, um, I, I think is wonderful. But uh, uh, Matt, I, I really want to thank you for joining us today. And I, and I want to go on and let our audience know that uh, Matt McDonald has started uh, his own project, Helping Veterans After Immense uh, Struggles, Readjusting After His uh, service in the military and has started his project titled the next 18 for golf uh first year under the hat and very very successful by the way uh and, and getting very very popular and you can find that on our website orban foundation for veterans and just look up for uh next 18 golf project with matt mcdonald so matt thank you for sharing that is very very important information and thanks for all you're doing for the mental health and the human spirit of our veterans hang on hang, yes. on, hang on matt don't leave susan's got a question for you Matt, yes. what, because we have this um, ability to do so, what would you say to your fellow veterans about that? What would be your message to them right now about if they're in, in, in a moment, what should they be doing? Well, I think it's it's twofold. And I, I think one of the biggest hesitancies with most people that have a firearm in their house is if you're locking the firearm, now it becomes ineffective when you need it. And I think that that's probably the biggest stigma is getting, getting over that mindset because at the end of the day, I think we're all trained enough to know how to, to get to it quickly enough if we need to. And I really think the benefits outweigh the, the negatives as far as locking the weapon uh, just over through the normal course of a, a day and, and weeks and months having it locked. But as far as in the moment, I think the biggest thing is, especially in the military, and, and it's the same thing with the first responders, we're taught that we are alphas. We're, we're better than everyone else. We are capable of doing these things that average people can't do. But along with that comes this belief that we can handle everything and we can take on anything. And while that might be true in some aspects of life, no person can tackle everything in life on their own. So I think being more macho is being able to say, I'm not right right now and I need help. And we need to start building the belief that it is okay to ask for help. It doesn't matter who you are. Absolutely. Very Thank powerful, you. Matt. Very, very powerful. And, and if we had more time, I'd have you repeat that because I think that's really, really something. That stigma that we're invincible, that we're not supposed to have any cracks, we're not su supposed to show any weakness, any kind of um, problems we should have with uh, upheld our responsibility as soldiers and men and women. That's a bunch of nonsense because we didn't go to war on our own. We didn't do the military on our own. We had all of our companions. Why should we even think that we can do this all on our own? And why do it on our own if we just think of it as educational to get the answers we need so uh, very powerful chris mark have you got anything for matt yeah matt i just want to say that, you know, this is mark i just want to say thanks and uh you know keep up the good work you're doing and when it gets warm this coming summer i'm going to come and take you up on one of your uh <laughs> your your uh workshops because uh, uh i think uh that's an awesome way of 
not only introducing golf to, to us veterans that aren't really familiar with golf, but also the whole concept behind your program is awesome. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate yeah, it. I'm here to help. Here to help if I can. We we just locked camp up at uh, Kohler in May, so we're looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, Mark, um, uh, Matt, yeah, sorry. Matt. Okay. This is Chris. Um, just wanted to say thanks for uh, showing up today. And uh, definitely, like Mark said, I kind of ran out of time this year to uh, get to one of your camps, but I'm definitely doing one next year. Good, good. I look forward to meeting it. I look forward to it. Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate it and uh, continue on. And uh, we're certainly going to catch up with you again on the podcast in the future. Not a problem. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Thank Thank you, Matt. You as well. Okay, so let's continue on. Uh, want to get as much of the information as we can. This is very, very educated. I'm learning so much more, and here I am, you know, the 71-year-old guy, and you think you've seen it all and done it all, and every day I'm learning more, and that's because you guys are doing such great work. So, uh, Mark, have you got something you want to add after listening to uh, Susan's addition to the conversation? And I'd be speechless uh, if you don't, Mark. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, everything that Susan said is, is, is correct. I mean, yeah, you know, it's actually ironic that I'm kind of wrapped up in my own little thing about what happened today with my friend and and their friend. And uh, I, I guess for me, it, it really just reinstills the fact that suicide is a very real thing. And it's something that happens to us veterans on a, unfortunately, more of a regular basis than a lot of people even think about. And uh, even though we're out here talking about it a lot. And uh, to me, it's very important why, in my mind, this program, especially the Gunshot Project and the Safe Storage Program, very important because it allows an opportunity for veterans to put stuff away voluntarily so they don't have to then have that moment of decision because they don't have that most lethal means because firearms is the most lethal means possible when we die by suicide as veterans. And, uh, you know, granted, there's other means, but those aren't as lethal, even though they can be lethal, if that makes any sense. A firearm, when a veteran dies by suicide using a firearm, we, we end up dead. Yeah, it's final. And, and I mean, the chance, or, or not functioning properly after that fact. So, uh, yeah. I guess for me, it's just, and I'm a little fired up, so I apologize for that based on the kind of news that I got today. Don't feel you have to apologize for that. I mean, I've lost a brother. I've lost a friend. It, it, this is not just superficial loss. Um, but uh, let's, uh, let's take this a little bit further, maybe, Chris. And we've identified this problem of actually coming into the confrontation up to the this, this decision, the crisis point of using a gun, of locking the gun. What Now we've said, okay, my gun is locked up. What's the good step? To, tell us some good steps now to take at that crisis point when we know we're in conflict with the use of a gun. Who do we call? Where do we go? What's available to us? What's the other alternative action when we're talking about this hope and this trust where that veteran or that person can turn and call or visit or make some decision? Yeah, so some of the alternatives are, you know, call friends, call their programs. They have the VA. You can go to the VA and go to the mental health emergency department, and you're going to see somebody that during that visit. So that's one of the things. We're, we're really lucky with the VA that we have here in Milwaukee because we have so many assets at that VA. Go in there. We have the program. So we have our, our page. Um, we have the Be There Wisp page that you know, they can go see these gun shops, you know, other veteran programs that are out there, just calling somebody, um, letting them, letting somebody know that you need help. Like Matt said, he hit on it. You know, it's no longer, it's no longer macho to say, oh, I don't need help. You know, it's more macho and more courageous to say, I need help. I can't handle all this on my own. I have to reach out. And then when you reach out, you'd be surprised at how how much better you feel because you're going to find people that are in the, that are either in the same position you are right before where you are or right after where you are. So you can kind of see the evolution of going through the process of 
you know, thinking about it, contemplating death by suicide, and then things that you can do to get better, you know, like this, like you have it, the stigma free vet zone, you know, stigma free, like there's no stigma in saying you need help. Look at all the people out and out in the world. So talk about the Olympians that they uh, didn't in the gymnastics. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. I can't think Simone Biles. She, she says, I can't do it. You know, mentally I'm not in it. And that's, you know, if she goes and does that and she's not mentally right, she's going to hurt herself and injured potentially do damage for the rest of her life. And now that people are seeing that the best gymnast in the world is saying, you know what? I need help. And now you see football players doing it, baseball players, basketball players. That's, it seems like, unfortunately, in the, in the United States, we look up to the athletes and we look up to the famous people. You know, we don't look up to people that are, you know, the lunch pail people, the ones that are out there just blue collar and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, reaching out, admitting you need help is, that's probably one of the hardest things you can do, but it's also one of the strongest things you can do. You know, there's nothing wrong with with saying you need help. Right. And I think it's also one of the things that will give you almost immediate relief, some relief. It'll start you at least open up that little bit of light to say there's comfort here. There's hope here just by admitting that. And I'll share this very quickly. After 30 years, when I had my episode with uh, being suicidal, because I just believe my brain was was so damaged, it would never repair. and, and And the suicide was out to get rid of the pain. But my brother had already taken his life. And I remember the punishment that continues to this day, 40 years later, that my family has gone through the heartbreak of losing my brother John, so I wasn't going to do that. But when I immediately arrived at the VA hospital in Toma, and the other guys, as you were mentioning, Chris, were all other combat veterans, and here I was walking around for 30 years thinking that I was the only veteran suffering from this. None of the guys that I served with in Vietnam were suffering this. Turns out almost all of them were, but I didn't know that. So you get internalized, like nobody else understands this. Nobody knows I'm going through this. I can't let anybody know. But when I opened up into that room and all these other veterans were there, it was there was just like this air that left my, my soul and, and the, the camaraderie. And you too, you've got this too, you get this. That's one of the most important things, I, I think, on actually coming forward and, and declaring that you would like some help or some answers. Yeah. Just to kind of caveat on that. Um, we had a, uh, kind of like a podcast with Adam from, and one of the things he said was, you know, getting out there, letting it out, opening up, being vulnerable. That's CPR for the soul. Yeah. You know, sure. like you said, like, when you opened up, it was like that came out of your yeah. soul, you know? Well, one of the things that I noticed after so many years is when I came home from war, because I had all of these difficulties, I had all these things that I didn't want anybody to see. A lot of the things, the reactions I was having, I didn't understand myself. I didn't know who I was. That's when I went into the isolation, the drinking, all these other issues. So it, it's really developing a facade on the outside for the world to see that I was okay, that facade has no emotion. That facade has no personality. It's all just something I want somebody to see. So when I say it gets to the soul, that's where the crisis is inside. It's that internal place that is suffering, that is punishing. And to get in there, to let some light in there is is just very, very therapeutic. So, but uh, Chris, I want to go back just for a second. You mentioned some of these programs, Be There WIS. That's all you said. Explain what Be There WIS is. How do you get to that? Where would you find them? Where would you? So BeThereWIS.com. You go there. So that's the Southeast Wisconsin. Um, So the gun shops that have signed up, there is an actual map that shows you where they are, where they're located. And these, you know, you can um, click on it. It'll tell you where it is. Um, it gives a little ex- a little more information on our on a program. Um, it talks about the Captain Johnny Mason. There's links on it that you can go right to, like our Facebook page. You can go to the Safe Storage, and you can learn stuff from there. Um, and also with the map, it gives you the opportunity to find these places where they're located, which will be closest for you. You know. In some cases, some of these veterans have already visited these gun shops, so it's not that uncomfortable of walking in saying, hey, I'm, I'm in crisis. Can you help me? And it's like they've already been there, so it's like, all right, I've already walked through the door once. 
I can do it again, you know? So it kind of gives you that, um, that opportunity to be vulnerable. That's one of the things we lose, but be there with is just, it's a, it's the website that helps with the suicide prevention, the gunshot project, the captain John D Mason. It has to do with the Southeast Wisconsin, um, suicide outreach Right. So, but, but let me just clear that up a little, just further. Be there, Wisconsin is actually the group, but the the website was be no, there. It's be there, Wis. Right, it's be there, Wis, but it stands for be there, Wisconsin, I believe. Uh, and it's so it's be there, Wis, w i s dot com, or is it dot yes. org? It's dot com. Dot com. And, and there, what, go ahead, Susan. Oh no, I was going to say there's also part of the same is a new one that they have, um, which also has additional resources and that's reach out okay. So the be there wis.com, but there's another one, uh, reach reachoutwis.org, And that has, um, our website on there. So anyone can go to our website. You can get to us from that website and ours is veteranpeeroutreach.org. Um, if you do that, we have an area the veteran can put their information on there and Chris, Mark, or I will reach out to them so we can assist them. Um, certainly there's the be there There's the reach out There's mental health of America. Um, there's also apps that you can get through the VA, the PTSD coach app and several other apps. You know, we can help people connect with those apps that they can have. There's also the CVI help app that you can put on your mobile phone and they have over 250 resources on there. Um, I have it on my phone. So you can find anything, whether it be housing, whether it be to healthcare, whether it be food, whatever you may need, uh, counselor, someone to talk to. Um, so you can go to that. The CVI help app is another option and wow. we're all listed on there as well. Is there one page, Susan, where we could find all of these where they're listed and if not, could we create that? Could could I believe many of them are on the uh, www.reachoutwist.org. Okay. Um, and if I were to ask you, could you send those to me so I can put them on our website so that we we could find them? And, and then can you share your Facebook page um, for the John D. Mason, which would also, wouldn't that be a good resource for people to? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what is that Facebook page? Yep, it's they can uh, just search Captain John D. Mason on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Those are great resources. I, I I wasn't even aware that they had so many of these uh, these apps out there. Yep, I'll be happy to send you that. I have some uh, PowerPoint yeah. slides. I'll I'll send you with all that. Yeah, info. and we'll get this all out there together. Mark, Mark, hop back in here and share. So you, you've got a lot of resources. Uh, are are you uh, open to sharing? Uh, people connecting with your Facebook page and some of the, uh, some of the projects you have going that might be helpful. Oh yeah. I'm open to anybody asking me to become friends on Facebook. I mean, well, for um, a purpose though, I mean, for, for resources. That's what I mean. Mark flower, Mark, Mark flowers, my, my, my Facebook page. Uh, you, you'll see uh, Snoopy driving a grateful dead car. So, you know, it's me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I share a lot of different resources. Not only do I share a lot of resources through my own particular page, but I share a lot of different veterans groups throughout the state and and, and in the Milwaukee area. Um, I, I want to really put a shout out for the R&R House, oh, veterans yes. yeah. where uh, if you are in crisis, you can actually go and spend up to six, seven days, up to seven days if needed um, there. And they also have a veteran warm, warm line. So, I mean, if it's not necessarily a crisis, but you need to chat with somebody, so you're trying to alleviate a crisis before it becomes that crisis, you can call the R&R House's warm line and have a, have a chat with um, the veteran peer, peer supporters that are, that are running the uh, warm line or, or who happen to be on duty. And it's a 24-hour warm line. Yeah, I mean, the VA's got some really cool resources. Well, I mean, hang, but- hang on just a second, Mark. Let's go back to r and We're talking about the letters r and rest and recuperation. Uh, yeah. where, where would they find it? I know they have a Facebook page, and I've, I've spoken with Pete, and um, it is a yeah, really wonderful Met- program. So it's r and r You can find on Mental Health of America's 
website. That's where it is, and Mental then, Health of America. Yeah, and then they, they have, a, I think they have it where it's kind of like our and our house, kind of up on one of the links that are on their, right. their website. Yeah. I can um, give you the warm line number. Okay, excellent. Yes. It's 262-336-9540. Yep. Wow. Well, th- this has really, really been educational. So I, I, let, let's just take oh, it up. Yeah, there's, other, there's a few other, there's a few other out there, Mike. I mean, there's dry hooch. If you, oh you, my goodness, you're you right. Kind of get get hooked up into some pure right. support in, in a more intensive kind of way than what we provide right. at Captain John D. Mason. You can go reach out to Dry Hooch. They got right. some more intensified uh, pure support folks that 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 you can utilize. I mean. Um, there's, uh, the homeless veterans initiative that kind of helps our homeless folks. Yeah. Milwaukee um, homeless veterans initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's, well, there's the, the vet uh, centers. Uh, yep. Yeah. If you Don't go to www, oh, sorry, Mark, go ahead, Susan. Oh, go ahead. If go ahead. you go to com, under our resource, veteran resources, they have everything from housing and shelter, food, mental health and addiction, employment, education, veteran benefits, social, social, you'll find dry hooch, you'll find brave hearts, you'll find our program, you'll find the war memorial, um, several others. Mm -hmm. There's so if they go to the be there with, they can not only find the gun shop project, it's under our slogan, live today, put it away. It's under that tab. Um, So you'll find the gun shop project, safe storage program information and under veteran resources, you have everything from transportation, family resources, veteran benefits. um, All of the resources we mentioned today are listed there as well. And there's many organizations that do workshops like, uh, oh, God. Amy. Not in the moment. Amy mm-hmm. has a family, the family veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, Patricia Clausen's, I can't remember. Veteran mm-hmm. Health Coalition. Well, the Veteran Health Coalition is one thing, but her organization. Uh, Healing Warrior Hearts. Healing Warrior Hearts. Yeah. yeah, I always would call it Purple Warrior Hearts. Well, it used or to be. Uh, but but what, one of the things that is interesting to me is just by taking the step to look at some of these resources is a positive step that helps you immediately because when you're in such distress and such crisis, you're not making any moves to help yourself. So just picking up the phone once looking at the website at once, just to start getting that initiative to start making a move is, is a, is a really, really powerful one thing to do. And if you're really in crisis and you're VA eligible, do the crisis line and get involved back in the VA if you're not. Because right. to me, that that is the key thing. Because seventy percent of our veterans who, who die by suicide aren't enrolled mm-hmm. into the VA system, which means they're missing a major component because they're in the normal everyday healthcare system, which in most cases probably don't understand veterans and the complexities of a veteran's life, especially our combat veterans. So, anyways, that 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 that's my spiel. And, and they're missing that one five-letter word that is so important to me, and that's trust. I don't yeah. care where you go. If a veteran who is struggling doesn't see the trust, they're going to have a, a difficult time making that next step. Okay, so we're running out of time, and this is really wonderful. Susan, give us your a, a couple words of hope, inspiration. Well, I think um, be there is it. Reach out is it. I think... Um, especially right now, we're coming upon holidays, we're coming upon times that are difficult for many people, um, veterans especially, and I think you need to be there for your veteran. If I don't care if you're a veteran yourself, if you're not one, reach out to one if you know one. Uh, reach out to your family, reach out to your friends, reach out to your veterans, uh, just let them know you're checking in on them. Sometimes that one message, just letting someone know that someone actually thought about them or cared about them can prevent um, something from happening, just knowing that someone thought of me. So I don't care if you call them, text them, email them, reach out, be there. Wow, wonderful. Chris? Yeah, and besides Veterans Day, do it every day. Yes. I I mean, Veterans Day... No, I'm not going to go on a rant there, but veterans okay, no. where everybody kind of celebrates <laughs> us. But really, there's 364 other days in the year. Right. So, and veteran suicide happens every day. Right. Chris Swifty, give us a, a little bit of hope. Just know that 
there's so many people out there that share the same experiences or going through the same stuff or have gone through the same stuff. Be willing to be vulnerable. It's, it's a life-changing event. You know, it, it makes everything else in your life so much better. You know what? When you open up and you're vulnerable, the bad things suck, but the good is so much better. <laughs> I, I would like to share this. When I came home as a veteran, it was about me. I was at war. I'm pissed off. I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't know what this is about. I, I'm the one who went through all of this. I forgot about my family. What I would ask veterans to do, if you're in crisis, is think about your family as well. Put put the family as the primary health care unit, not just the veteran. And even if you can't help your family, let them know. Give them the confidence to tell them, I know you're, you're, you're struggling with me and I'm struggling, but I want you to know I'm going to go and get help so that you can live more comfortably and be in your house and feel love and feel security and feel safe here. And I'm going to find you the resources, my family, to help you through this crisis as well. Take it out of that whole center of the bullseye being the veteran and make the bullseye the family and help your family and share the love. That'll give you some incentive to uh, to also do some healing. So I have to thank you guys <clears throat> so much. This has been so very educational and just so inspirational that you are doing this. Um, and I also want to reach out uh, and thank Joe and Jennifer Tate and the Medical College of Wisconsin, <clears throat> not just for this particular program, but for all the important projects that they have, and many, many, many of them dedicated to improving the health care for veterans and their families, of which Chris and Susan and Mark and Otis at Dry Hooch are all deeply involved in. So for those of us who have experienced uh, suicidal thoughts, we know that there's a punishing period of depression that can come up uh, before that happens. And if you are struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts, give hope just a chance and, and call the Veterans Christ line and speak to a real person. Uh, I did this and it works. Uh, and that number is 1-800-273-8252 and then press 1. But Susan Smichael, Mark Flower. Chris Swift, Swifty, thank you so much for all you're doing to improve the condition of the human spirit. And let's keep rolling. Thank you, Mike. Mike. Let's do it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.